morning. It's really great to be out with everyone again this morning. If you would, do I have that? No, I don't think I have that. All right, if you would, turn with me to Proverbs 26, verse 4 and 5. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 4 and 5. And it says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And these two verses are going to be our focus this morning. Each of them would look like your simple kind of -of run-of-the-mill proverb by itself, but they're not by themselves, are they? And we just look at them placed right beside each other so that we have to examine them together, and they're just kind of strange, aren't they? They seem to be in conflict with each other. When I was around 12 to 14, somewhere in there, I was really into studying the so-called contradictions of the Bible. The so-called errors that skeptics would find in the scripture and and throw out to Christians. And, And the more I read, the more that I realized that there aren't really any errors or contradictions in the Bible. There are some that as a child I had to admit, well, I don't know how to solve this one very much. But the myriad of other ones that were so easily explained just by a simple reading of Scripture gave me confidence in the authenticity of the perfect Word of God. But this passage bothered me. I mean, I knew it couldn't be error, but I had no idea what it was doing either. And those verses, they're back to back. They seem unavoidable, but we have to face it, right? And it bothered me for a long time. But recently this passage has come back into my attention, and I feel a lot more confident seven, eight, nine years later, whatever it is, in what these verses are doing and how they work together, because they really do work together. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to try to look at these two seemingly opposed scriptures And we're going to evaluate what God is trying to teach us in this passage. How can both of these things be true? Are they both true? And we're going to do it by asking the question, when do I answer a fool? And I think this question can really resonate with us. Because it's a question that we all ask from time to time. Although I don't think we would say it like that necessarily. But we all have troublesome people in our lives, people that we just struggle to talk to sometimes. And they could be staunch atheists, but they could be brothers in Christ. Maybe they're co-workers, maybe they're schoolmates, they're family members, whoever it is, we just struggle talking with them sometimes. And maybe it's because of the stuff that comes out of their mouth, maybe it's because of their actions and the way that they live. But that's a hard place to be. What do we do with these troublesome people in our lives? Do we go at them? Or do we ignore them? When do I answer a fool? 
And, and I think that as we look at this passage today, we can learn some of God's truths to help us with that person and everyone else that we talk to. But before we look at these two verses, we have to say a little about the background of this passage. First, the book of Proverbs is exactly what it says it is. It's Proverbs. It's general truths about righteousness, about wisdom, about lack of wisdom, about sin and temptation, all sorts of other things. General truths. Which means that it's not like a lot of what's in the Bible. Most of these aren't laws or commands as we think of a lot of the Old Testament. They're truths that we should let guide our lives. And the book of Proverbs focuses a lot on wisdom and foolishness. Vast sections of the book cover what it is to be wise and what it is to be a fool. And chapter 26 is one of those sections Chapter 26, kind of, the first 12 verses of chapter 26 is often called the Book of Fools. Because it serves as a character study for, you guessed it, the fool. And since we don't have time to go over all 12 verses, though we'll look at one or two of them later, the main point of the Book of Fools is to warn the wise to stay away from fools whenever possible. It's about fools... But it's to the wise. So then it serves like a guidebook in a way. It's a guidebook for the wise on how to deal with the fools that you're going to come up against in the world around you. And one of these points in this guidebook is what to do when a fool acts foolishly around you. And that's what we're going to look here today. All right, so... Let's read these verses again, and then let's go over them in greater detail. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in your own eyes. And so, we're going to take a look at what I think the kind of steps that this passage lays out for us. And step one is to identify a fool. And that kind of seems obvious, right? To be able to answer a fool, you have to know when you're dealing with a fool. Because if you don't recognize a fool when you see one, how are you ever going to be able to answer them, right? And I think we all have an idea in our heads of what a fool is. Like maybe you're thinking about someone that just kind of lacks common sense or someone that just doesn't have any self-awareness. Maybe that's kind of what you're picturing. That's what a lot of people would picture, But I don't think that's really what the Bible's talking about when the Bible talks about fools. We kind of get in our heads this idea that foolish means that you lack intelligence. But the Bible's definition of fool is different. You can be brilliant by the world's standards and be a fool by the book of Proverbs standards. So then what is a fool? Luckily... The Bible answers that for us. And we're going to look at how the book of Proverbs describes a fool real quick. I'm going to kind of hit these rapid fire. It's far from an exhaustive list. There have been entire books written about the subject, like the book of Proverbs, I guess. So here are some of the things that the book of Proverbs says about the fool. The fool is one who rejects the Lord. If you would turn with me to Proverbs chapter 1. 
Proverbs chapter 1, and we'll read verses 29 through 31. Because they, that being the foolish people, the simple people, however you want to put it here, they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and have the fill of their own devices. The fool is also one who makes his opinions without reflecting. Proverbs chapter 15, Proverbs 15, verse 14. The heart of him who has understanding seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feed on folly. And some other translations say the fool laps up folly, with the idea being that they're looking for something to drink, and they don't really care what it is, just whatever comes by, they're just going to lap it up. They're just going to drink it right up without any kind of evaluation or thought as to whether they should be drinking it or not. A fool is also a person that can never imagine that they could be wrong on anything. Uh, just a few uh, chapters over, chapter 17, verse 10. Proverbs 17, verse 10. A rebuke goes deeper into a man of understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. They think that everything that they do is right and true, no matter what it is or what the consequences are. And because of that, their mouth gets them into a lot of trouble. Proverbs 18, verse 6 and 7 says, A fool's lips walk into a fight. And his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. He's speaking nonsense. He's picking fights for no reason. You can be brilliant by the world's standards and do these things. You can have a perfect IQ score. You can have a PhD. I don't care. You can do whatever in this world and still be a fool by biblical standards, because what really makes a fool is in Proverbs 1-7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You can't even begin to reach knowledge without fearing God. And then it follows up and says, fools despise wisdom and instruction. So step one is to identify a fool. To answer a fool according to his folly, you have to know what a fool is. And simply put, a fool is one who relies on his own wisdom or man's wisdom over the wisdom of God. A fool is one who does not follow God. So then our mind rushes to those of the world. They're the foolish ones, right? And while that's true... I would not be so bold as to assume that Christians cannot be foolish. What if a Christian is living in the wrong? They profess to be a Christian, but their lifestyle doesn't really fit that. Are they a fool? I think by the standards that we just looked at, the biblical standards of what it is to be foolish, that person can be a fool. But... We still haven't found out when to address a fool or not. So step two 
If you would look back in the verses that we're reading today, step two is you can't just know what a fool is, but you have to know what folly is because we're answering a fool according to his folly. So step two is to identify folly. And strictly speaking, folly is just the acts of a fool. It's foolish actions. So a fool is one who relies on themselves or on man's wisdom rather than relying on God's wisdom. So then what would folly be? Be actions contrary to God's word, right? It would be sinning, we could say. It's not just doing what I think is dumb. It's doing what directly violates God's wisdom and God's commandments, So then everyone that I decide is sinning, I should go at, right? And that's tempting to say, but I want to think about this for a second. There's a difference between deciding and identifying. And I I did choose this word carefully, identifying. I don't think I'm playing a frivolous word game here. Let's just say that I wanted to make maple syrup. For whatever reason, that's my goal. I just really want to make some maple syrup. And so the first step then is to find maple trees and tap them. So I get you guys together. We're all going to go look for some maple trees somewhere northeast where they actually have maple trees. And, and, and I, I just walk up to the first pine tree that I see that looks nice. And I say, I have decided that this is a maple tree. This is a maple tree. I'm going to tap this one. We're going to make some maple syrup out of this one. And does that pine tree become a maple tree just because I decided it was? Just because I decided that this pine tree is going to help me accomplish my goal of making maple syrup, does that change anything about the actual pine tree? Of course not. Deciding that it's a maple tree doesn't actually accomplish very much. Now, Mr. Kirk, he is serious about this maple syrup thing. He says, I'm going to make sure that this maple syrup is going to be good. I'm going to make maple syrup as effectively as possible. So what's he going to do? He's going to study a little bit, right? He's not just going to walk blindly into the world and hope that he stumbles upon a maple tree. You know, if I, if I tap enough trees, eventually one of them's got to be a maple tree, right? That's not how he's going about this. He's going to read up. He's maybe going to look at some pictures. He's going to say, oh, well, this is a maple leaf, and this is maple bark, so that's got to be a maple tree then. So that when he walks out into the woods with me, he's going to know a maple when he sees it. He's going to recognize it. He's going to be able to identify it. He didn't decide that it was a maple. He learned what a maple tree was and then identified it out in the world. And that's how he's going to have nice, sweet maple syrup, and I'm going to have nothing, or nothing good, anyway. And I think it's a similar issue here. Some Christians get the idea that they get to decide what a fool is. They get to decide what it is to follow God. They get to decide what's sin and what's folly and what's wisdom And that's not what this passage says. That's not what Proverbs says. That's not what anything in the Bible says, that we get to decide what's sin and what's not. 
Instead, we're called to learn. To learn what makes a fool a fool. To learn what God wants. To learn what God doesn't want. To learn what God would have his people do so that we can identify sin and folly in the world. And then we can address that. So then, how do we learn? And remember, in that terrible analogy that I came up with, Mr. Kirk, he studies about what a maple tree is. He knows what a maple leaf is. He knows what maple bark is. He's got a guidebook, let's say. And remember, we have a guidebook in the scriptures. We've already talked about how Proverbs is a wonderful guidebook for identifying a series of great lessons from wisdom or folly or whatever it is. But I want to take it one step further. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. Second Timothy 3, that talks about how there will be those who are doing God's will and others who are pretending to do God's will, but they aren't. What does it say? Proverbs 3, verse 16 and 17. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction and profitable for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So how did we identify folly? All scripture is profitable for teaching truth, equipping the Christian for every good work, and even for reproof. So if you do go to answer a fool, you got to find their folly in the guidebook. You can't just decide what folly is. You can't decide what sin is. You have to be able to identify it as God addresses it in the scriptures. Because if you go to answer a fool and you can't actually find their folly in the guidebook, then you have to be careful. You have to be careful that you're not putting yourself in the place of God. That not, you're not putting yourself as the judge because in that case, you're not addressing a fool according to his folly. You're the fool and you're putting yourself in place of God's wisdom. So if we want to address a fool according to his folly, we have to know the scriptures. We just have to. And before you go lighting everyone up, giving every fool what's for, I think there's one more thing that we have to consider. Because it can't just be as simple as seeing a fool. It can't be as simple as seeing folly and just checking those boxes and letting it rip. We still have to answer why we can only sometimes answer a fool according to his folly. Because there's a fool and there's folly in both cases, but only an answer in one. So I think the next step has to focus on verse 5. Why is it different this time? Why are we answering in verse 5? And one thing jumps out to me. Step 3 is to evaluate our intentions. What are we trying to get out of this? And while that's a little harder to spot, I, let's read verse 5 again. Proverbs chapter 26, verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Notice the second half of this verse. Lest he 
be wise in his own eyes. Why do you think the emphasis of this verse switches to the fool? I mean, if you look at four and five, the, the first line is implied, you answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. And then verse five there, you answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. The, the emphasis suddenly turns to the fool. Why are we called to focus on the fool? And there's two real options here. I think that both of them are scripturally valid. It could be because the fool has maybe said or done something publicly. And if you don't rebuke him, he will appear justified. And in that case, rebuking him would have the possibility of bringing him and others affected by his false doctrine closer to the truth. The other option is that maybe this isn't something public. Maybe this is something that, unless corrected, the fool will become more sure in his sin. So that rebuking him would actually have the possibility of bringing him closer to God. And did you notice the intention behind these two options? The intention is truth-focused. The intention is soul-focused. The intention is outward-focused. None of the reasons are to make yourself look better. None of the reasons are to let out some anger. None of the reasons are to get in an argument just for the sake of getting in an argument. None of the intentions are to win. The only intention here is to look for the soul of the person. Because none of those other options, they're not... They're not what the word of God approves. That's not how it's supposed to be done. That's unloving. That's picking a fight, which is, if I can say this, foolish by the biblical standards that we looked at earlier. The reasons to correct someone is love. Love for the others involved. Love for the fool. Love for the word of God. Concern for souls. And that's hard. It's hard to properly love people who aren't acting in accordance with God's will. And it's even harder to know what Christ-like love is for them. And it's even harder to know how to carry that love out. And I'm not going to address all the ins and outs of that today, partially because I don't have the time left in this session, and partially because we heard a great series of lessons on true biblical love and empathy just last week in our gospel meeting. But it's hard to love a fool the way that we need to. But it's important. We have to love the fools. We have to love those who aren't doing God's will. Because notice how important it is. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. And we don't use the word lest a lot. So if you don't know what it means, that's okay. But Lest means in case, for fear that, to avoid the risk of, something like that. So answer the fool for fear that he will become wise in his own eyes. To avoid him becoming wise in his own eyes. And we might ask, why would we care? Why would we care if a fool is wise in his own eyes? How does that affect me? Because it really doesn't. It doesn't affect me very much. So why should I care if a fool is wise in his own eyes? And that's because it's a dire circumstance. Proverbs 26, 
verse 12. Skip down to the end of the book of Fools. This is kind of the conclusion to the book of Fools, as, as we call it. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? So the consequences of verse 5. Do you see that? Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. So there's more hope for a fool than there is for one who is wise in his own eyes. So how much hope is there for a fool then? How much hope is there for one who laughs off God's wisdom and chooses his own path? And let's go back to Proverbs, the first chapter. Back to verses 29 through, well, we'll read through verse 33 this time. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 29 through 33. Because they hated knowledge, they did not choose the fear of the Lord, and would have none of my counsel and despised all my reproof. So we know that's including the fool and the one that is wise in their own eyes here. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and have the fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. So the fools will be ultimately destroyed by God. And if this fool becomes wise in his own eyes, he will be even less likely to repent and to dwell secure in God's blessings that we read about in verse 33. This is important stuff. We have to love fools because that's the only way they can come to a knowledge of God. So before you answer a fool, I beg you to consider, are you just lighting them up to make yourself feel better? Are you just getting into an argument so that you can win and justify yourself? Or one could say, so you could be wise in your own eyes. If so, please do not answer a fool. But if you seek to answer this brother in love, if you seek to bring them and others into a better relationship with God for their soul and for their benefit, so that they can inherit the same blessings in Christ that we all strive for, then consider answering the fool. So, to wrap it up, I don't think these verses, these Proverbs, are actually in conflict at all. I don't think that it's an error, and I hope that you can agree with me, that they're both true. They can only be understood together. I can't finish this lesson and say, go get at all the fools in your life. But I can't end this lesson and say, ignore all the fools, never answer them. Because it's not one-size-fits-all wisdom. This is God's wisdom. Both of those attitudes and conclusions that we just talked about are wrong. The only wisdom of God is these things held in tension, almost playing like tug of war with each other. And so then we have to answer, when do we apply each one? And that's the hard part. It takes knowing the scripture and it takes discernment. So as we ask this question one more time, when do I answer a fool? I think for our purposes today, we should kind of look at this passage like a checklist in order to answer the question. First, is the person choosing to rely on their wisdom or on the wisdom of man over the wisdom of God? Second, does the, does the scripture actually condemn the action in question? Does it condemn what you want to go at them at? And third, 
Are you actually trying to help this person get in a, a right relationship with God? Are you actually trying to love them? And so if you're in a situation that you don't know how to handle these things, if you answer yes to all these questions, then yes, please answer the fool according to his folly. But I would beg you that if any one of those questions you answer no to, if any one of those things are missing, then please don't answer. And that gives us like a 25% chance of answering, and maybe that's not such a bad thing. If you would, please pray with me, and then we'll be dismissed into our classes. Dear Father in heaven, help us not to be fools who rely on ourselves. Let us never be wise in our own eyes. But please, Father, help us to find wisdom in you and only you. Help us to examine our hearts to see our own intentions. And then help us conform to your way and to truly love our fellow man. Give us boldness to speak when you would have us speak. And close our mouths when we should not speak. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.